If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Dangerous Assignment. Transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to show that sometimes the only way you can win is to let the whole deal go up in smoke. Commissioner, you sent for me? Steve, do you know anything about high ally? Handball game Latin style, isn't it? Fast and furious and pretty rugged. Especially if you get conked with a ball, it'll kill you. Well, here's hoping you don't get conked, because you're going to attend the high ally games at one of the arenas in Havana tonight. And you're going to bet on the team of Danielle and Scobo. Are they good? Haven't the faintest idea. We're only interested in the man who is going to take your bet. Look, what's this all about, Commissioner? Well, some time now, we've been trying to crack down on a smuggling ring operating out of Havana, running a regular shuttle between Florida and Cuba. What are they running? You name it. Everything in the book, including illegal entry now and then. We finally got a lead on the organization, Steve, from someone working on the inside. That the boy I'm to contact? The one who's going to take my bet? Right. He'll be at the Fronton Palace, window three. You place your bet, and when you open your wallet, let him have a glance at your credentials. He'll take it from there. Get whatever information you can from him. Track down that organization and smash it. Well, that's it, Steve. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. A sufficient supply of blood and blood plasma to save the lives of our wounded soldiers in Korea continues to be of the utmost importance. Now, the reserve is still at a critically low ebb. And to give our wounded GIs the blood they must have to save their lives and speed recovery, a minimum of 300,000 pints a month is absolutely essential. Whole blood and blood plasma are the one treatment for which medical skill cannot provide a substitute. There is no sensation at all to the donor except the good feeling of knowing some wounded soldier 
will be thankful all his life for what the blood donor is giving. So remember, make an appointment at once with your nearest Red Cross blood center. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get down to Havana, bet a couple of bucks on a team of highlight players and hope it pays off with the information we need to nail a ring of smugglers operating between Cuba and the United States. It's late afternoon when my plane sets down in Havana. I check in at my hotel, and that night, I wander over to the Fronten Palace, a large indoor arena used for highlight games. Their teams on the floor are going at it hot and heavy, and the crowd is building steam. I watch them for a while, and then I ease over to the window number three to place my bet. Si, senor. I'll put a five spot on Danielli and Scoble. Si. Got quite a crowd here tonight. Tonight and every night, senor. I like a very popular spot in Havana. Here you are. Thanks. Here's your five. That is, senor. There is an alley in back of the building. I will be waiting in my car. Half an hour, senor Mitchell. I'll be there. I get back to my seat and watch the players until the half hour is up. Then I ease around to the alley in the back. About the ticket seller sitting in a parked car close by. He doesn't answer when I come up. I reach in and he topples over on the steering wheel. for the past two years in Francisco Rolas, no police record. That's all we have on the dead man, huh, Lieutenant? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, you say he was involved with the smuggling ring, Senor Mitchell? So we were led to believe he was going to fill us in on it. Only somebody with a knife got to him first. Someone obviously from the organization. They must have known he was going to talk. Yeah. Where was Rhoda staying? According to his identification card, uh, 36 Paseo de Baracoa. Let's go over and shake it down. The police lieutenant and I hustle over to the dead man's apartment, spend a good part of the night giving it a going over. Nothing. The next morning, he isn't alone when I walk into his office. This is Jose Diego, a dock worker. Yes, senor. Hi. There was a story in the morning's paper of the murder back at the front lawn last night, senor Mitchell. Jose read about it and came straight to police headquarters. Oh? Jose, uh, tell Senor Mitchell what you have just told me. Eh, si, si. Eh, last night, Senor, I was at the fronton to the games, you know. A little after 10 o'clock, I left the arena. Uh, I had promised my wife I would be home early. Go on. As I walked past the alley entrance in back of the building, uh, a man come running out. Uh, we collided. He continued to run, but as he passed under the street light, I see his face. You recognize him? Si, si. It was Senor Carmody. Carmody? An American. He has lived in Havana a good many years. You see, uh, myself, I have never met him, but I have seen him many times, senor. Uh, he's well-known here. A, uh, shall we say, a sportsman, senor Mitchell. He has a fondness for high-speed automobiles and motorboats. Oh? Also, he owns an airplane and a yacht. Does he? Well, that sounds very interesting, Lieutenant. Yeah, very interesting. I suggest we pay a call on senor Carmody. I second the motion. Oh, by the way, you mentioned you had placed a bet at the fronton on Daniel and Scobo. That's right. Don't tell me they that. They lost. Hmm. Comedy's place is a low, rambling ranch house at the edge of town. He greets us at the door wearing a black silk dressing gown and a white muffler. 
He's carrying a tall glass of tomato juice and an obvious hangover. We follow him inside. Well, I'd like to have you meet an old friend, Ralph Pawson. Morning, gentlemen. Mr. Mitchell, Lieutenant Moreno. Lieutenant? Police department. Oh. Don't ask me what this is all about, Ralph. I wouldn't know. Uh, sit down, gents. Thank you. And let's get on with it. My mood is not getting any better. I'd just like to ask you a few questions, Carmody. Sure. Where were you last night? Last night? <laughs> Brother, a lot of places, Mitchell. So they tell me. Go anywhere near the front and palace, say, around 10 o'clock? The front, though? No. Well, no, I don't think so. Look, what's this all about? Murder. Murder? A man named Francisco Rodas was murdered in the alley behind the building a few minutes after 10 o'clock. Hey, there was something about that in the morning paper. Say, what's this got to do with me? Someone saw you running out of that alley shortly after the crime was committed. What? Now, see here, Mitchell. Are you accusing I him? I just want to know what Carmody was doing there. He was with me. We had dinner at the yacht club. Yeah, that's right. Fill in the time. Well, we met at the club around 7. You can check with the waiters. They'll tell you. What time did you leave? Oh, around 10.30. Can I check that with the waiters, too? Well, Porson? Look, uh... Wait a minute, Ralph. No need to stick your neck out on my account. What he says is true, Mitchell. We had dinner together at the club, but I left early. How early? A little before 9.30. Ralph had a phone call to make. I remember that much. Not too much more, I'm afraid. Have a rough night? Yeah. While I was waiting for Ralph, I spotted some friends at the bar. I went over, had another couple of drinks, and the next thing I knew, I was outside. Go on. Well, there's not much more to tell. I remember walking down the street, the Avenida Ruiz. It's all sort of vague after that. I finally got home around here about midnight. Hey, this dead man, what was his name? Uh, Rodas. Francisco Rodas. Never heard of him. What'd he do? He was employed at the fronton, senor. Still doesn't register, lieutenant. Perhaps it will, senor. After you have taken a ride with us to police headquarters. Come along. We take Carmody down to the brig. The witness, Jose Diego, positively identifies Carmody as the man he saw running away from the scene of the crime and the local law books Carmody on suspicion of murder. A few minutes later, friend Pawson shows up with a lawyer in tow. The lawyer goes in to see Carmody, and Pawson tags after me as I walk out of police headquarters. I spend the next couple of hours with him as he fills me in on Carmody and the rest of the afternoon checking on names and addresses he's given me. It all adds up to a big nothing. Late in the day, I wind up on the Avenida Ruiz near the Yacht Club. I've got a copy of the morning newspaper with me, Carmody's picture on the front page. I show it around, peddlers, shopkeepers, bartenders. No one remembers seeing Carmody last night until I run into a cab driver several blocks down the street. This one, senor. Oh, see, see, I remember him. Oh, boy. Ten dollars American he give me. You sure this is the man? Yes. Could I forget ten dollars? Where did you pick him up? Right here in this corner. What time? Oh, it was early, I think. How early? Just early. 9.30 or so? See, si, see, si, it's possible 9.30. Where did you take him? To the Fronton Palace? Fronton? No, senor, no. I drive him to Sebastian's Casino. It's on the other side of town. Lieutenant Moreno speaking. Steve Mitchell, Lieutenant. I'm calling from Sebastian's Casino. See? Looks like maybe Carmody isn't our boy after all. What? Half a dozen employees of the casino remember seeing him here last night, including a couple of house cops who bounced him out of the joint for creating a disturbance. What time was he there, senor? He arrived a few minutes before 10, was given the bum's rush a half hour later. 
which means he could not have been in the alley back of the fronton at the time of the murder. Right. Looks like we'll have to start all over, Lieutenant. You can start chewing your fingernails. I'll be over to join you. I hurry out of the casino, start down the narrow street, but I don't get very far. A car suddenly pulls away from the curb across the way. I duck, but it's not fast enough. Want your child to have the best elementary schooling you can give him? Won't you get a pencil and paper to take down the address I'm going to give you at the end of this message? Unless we start preparing now, in a few years our public schools will be as behind the times as the little red schoolhouse. Because of the huge increase in our birth rate during and after the last war, it's estimated that by 1956 there will be some seven million more children in elementary schools than there are now. We must start preparing at once. More equipment will be needed, textbooks, playgrounds, and above all, more elementary school teachers. Now, to help assure your child a proper education, join and work with local groups and school boards. And for free information about how people in other communities are improving their schools, write to this address. National Citizens Commission for Public Schools, 2 West 45th Street. That's National Citizens Commission for the Public Schools, 2 West 45th Street, New York 19, New York. Back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Believe your husband is not here in Havana? 
Yesterday, I found out without a doubt that he's here. Look, Mrs. Henderson, this is all very interesting, but I don't quite see what it has to do with the case we're investigating right now. Just this. See this picture in the newspaper? The man you're holding here is a suspect? Sure. His name is Carmody. No, you're wrong, Mr. Mitchell. That's my husband, Jim Henderson. sudden the whole case is busted wide open again. We have Carmody brought in from his cell. Mrs. Henderson promptly drapes herself on him. Jim, Jim. Hey, what is this? Oh, Jim, please. Why did you leave me? Look, what gives here? Who is she, Mitchell? Mrs. Henderson. And she says you're Mr. Henderson. What? Jim, don't do this to me. Look, I've never seen this dame before in my life. Why, you... Hey! He's lying, Lieutenant. Here's Jim Henderson. We were married in Baltimore in January 1944, and he deserted me. Yes, again. I was in the Army in Europe in January 1944. I could have married this babe in Baltimore. You were in the Army, huh? I sure was. You can check that, Mitchell. Don't worry, Carmody. I will. Mrs. Henderson gives us the name of her hotel and leaves. We send Carmody back to his cell, and I get off a cable to Washington about him. Then... We send for Pawson, who promptly swears he was with Comedy in Europe during 1944. The three of us wait in Lieutenant Marino's office for a reply from Washington. Every time Pawson finishes a cigarette, he methodically rips open the paper, scatters the tobacco flakes in the ashtray, and crumples the paper into a tiny ball. Finally, Marino can't stand it anymore. Why do you do that? Nerves? That's uh, Army, isn't it, Pawson? Yeah, yeah. If you ever had a police at camp yard, you'd know why, Marino. The tobacco flakes mingle with the dust, and the crumpled-up paper is a lot less noticeable than a cigarette butt on the ground. Very sensible. Yeah, comedy taught me that when we were in together. Hey, look, when are you guys going to lay off him? I told you we were in Europe together. How could he have married that woman? How could he have anything to do with any of this? Come in. Ah, the answer to your cable, Mitchell. Yeah. Well? Carmody was in Europe in January of 1944. Yeah, now are you satisfied? Yeah. Look, it's pretty obvious to me that this guy Henderson is the one you really want. Looks that way. Come on, Lieutenant. Let's check with Mrs. Henderson again. See if she can give us any further information on her husband. We check at Mrs. Henderson's hotel, but she's not in... The clerk expects her back momentarily, so we decide to wait in her room. A very mystifying case, Mitchell. Yeah. Either there is a guy named Henderson and he's our man, or... Or what? I don't know. Something bothering me about this whole setup. What is it? Can't put my finger on it. I know what you mean. I wish Mrs. Henderson would show up. It has only been a few minutes. A cigarette? Thanks. You know, this whole deal has been one big merry-go-round. Cost us a lot of time, Reno. You're right. But what else can we do? That's a good question. I. Hey, wait a minute. What is it? This ashtray. See, what about it? Take a look. Just a couple of cigarette butts with lipstick and. Mitchell. Yeah. Flakes of tobacco and tiny balls of cigarette paper. Awesome. Rather, I said this deal had cost us a lot of time. That's just the way it was planned. Come on. Mitchell? Yeah. 
Parsons' lawyer said he owned that little cluster of fishing boats out there at the pier. Five will get you ten that he's on one of them right now, getting ready to shove off. You take one side, I will take the other. We split up. I work my way along the row of boats. They're all dark except for small deck lights. Then suddenly I spot somebody climbing aboard one of them. It's Mrs. Henderson. I slip aboard and grab her. Mitchell! But just then something hard connects with the back of my head. I go to my knees. Sorry, Mitchell. I've been standing out here on deck in the dark for several minutes waiting for Barbara. You know, Parson, you're giving this head of mine a pretty rough go. First you crease it with a slug, then you massage it with a gun butt. Like I say, I'm sorry. All right, lean against the rail. You'll be okay. Yeah, thanks. I guess I will. You've been leading Marino and me a merry chase in the deal. First you hire Jose Diego to swear that he saw Carmody near the scene of Rhoda's murder. We find out that he couldn't have been. Then you hire your pal Barbara here to pose as Mrs. Henderson with a phony story about her husband. Sounds to me like you've been working for time. Right. 48 hours of it, to be exact. It's taken me that long to convert my Havana holdings to cash. Sure, I could have taken a potter right after I killed Rodas, but I had to leave broke. This way, I'm carrying about a hundred grand with me. Heading the smuggling ring must have been profitable. Oh, yes. You see, Mitchell, if I hadn't given you a bum steer right off the bat, you'd have probably concentrated more on the victim's background. You'd have discovered he used to work for me in the fishing fleet here. That probably would have gotten you interested in me right off the bat. I had to stall that off until I got my money. Oh, you did a pretty neat job of it, too. If it hadn't been for those crumpled cigarette papers in Barbara's room, I might never have tumbled. Oh, so that was it, huh? Well, very careless of me. What are you waiting for, Parson? Kill him. Not here. It's too noisy. You're coming out with us on the boat, Mitchell. Oh, bully for me. Okay, let's get started. Hardly. I doubt if you came down here alone, Mitchell. Your friend Marino must be around. If we start the boat now, he'll flash a warning to the harbor patrol. So we'll just stand here in the dark, nice and quiet, until he comes along. And we'll take care of him first. Really, senor? What? Watch out, Marino! I've got him! Oh! Sorry, Barbara, old girl, but you're not leaving. Let go! Oh, relax. You okay, Lieutenant? Yes, his shot was quite wild. And before I could return it, you had taken care of him quite effectively. Well, I sort of felt I owed him then. How'd Marina know you were on this boat, Mitchell? His signal told me. Signal? Sure. Boston gave the idea when he told me to lean on the rail. See that little black deck light beside it? I was passing my hand back and forth in front of it while I was talking to Parson. My body screamed it from you. I figured the flashing light would bring Marino. Which it did, in the nick of time. Yeah, I guess you might say you finally saw the light, huh? Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. What did you do for your country today? Stand guard at some lonely outpost? Stand watch on the cold, windswept bridge of a patrolling U.S. Navy destroyer? No, but you can still do your part to guard peace. The peace that is for the strong. Make today your D-Day. Buy an extra bond for defense. And then keep buying them regularly. There's no safer, surer investment than with United States defense bonds. And you build security not only for yourself, but your country, too, when you buy defense bonds. They serve to combine America's economic strength with its military strength. And it's this combined strength that protects your town, your home, your right to work and prosper in peace. And remember, if you don't save regularly, you generally don't save at all. So join the payroll savings plan where you work or sign up for the bond-a-month plan where you bank. Make today your D-Day. Buy defense bonds. Always remember, defense is your job, too. 
Next week, Turkey. I nominate myself for a slab in the morgue. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Harry Bartell, Tony Barrett, Nestor Piva, Herb Ellis, and Kay Stewart. This is John Storm speaking. starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed dangerous assignment. Tomorrow, hear both the Judy Canova Show and Truth or Consequences on NBC.